Welcome or welcome back to Below the Dot Podcast, where we recap and discuss a new episode of Degrassi, The Next Generation, every throwback Thursday from the Degrassi Black Hole. I am one of your hosts, Terry McGregor. I'm your other host, Chris Sharp. And today we are recapping season two, episode 11, titled Don't Believe the Hype. But before we get into our usual segment of trivia for Terry, we want to take a moment to include a trigger warning regarding today's episode as it covers sensitive topics with a problematic delivery. Right, so let me go ahead and read my trigger warning script. Degrassi goes there, which means we will absolutely be discussing some sensitive subjects, and this episode specifically racism, xenophobia, and Islamophobia. There's also a touch of homophobic slurs with the B-plot. Please be mindful to take care of yourself if we move forward covering these topics in these coming episodes. In this episode, we are going to cover a lot of conversations which express racism and Islamophobia. But I may not always highlight it by name simply just due to time. We would literally be here all day if I called every single person out. So as a general overview, just assume that most everyone in this episode says something problematic or flat out racist at some point. Some of the clips from these scenes may be included throughout our podcast. And we recognize that discussing sensitive subjects can still serve as a trigger. So I want you guys to take care, but also recognize that, yes, I am going to include some of the clips because you cannot effectively call out racism without saying explicitly what it says and i mean that within this context it's not like i'm going to be using racial slurs myself to call out the racism because i just want to add that caveat because white people always use that as an excuse to say the n-word this isn't that but i am going to include clips from the episode um probably which we will call out as racism or whatever problematic ism it hits There we are. And at this point in the episode, my friends, we'll get into some trivia for Terry. I do. Okay. So where was Hazel Aden born? Girl. Is it Somalia? Yes. Okay. Okay. And which heritage did Terry celebrate for International Day? Is she Scottish? Yes. Good job. Look at me go. I know. All right, your turn for your Terry's tidbits. Okay, I don't have many tidbits today. Um, we'll get into a lot of things in the episode. The one that I pulled from the Degrassi fandom wiki is that this specific es- episode was directed by Degrassi Junior High and Degrassi High alumni. Um, is an actress who played Lucy, and I'm going to butcher her name, but I think it's Anais Granofsky. Whatever. But um, that posed a question for me of just like, why specifically she did this episode. I wonder if um, she dealt with a similar storyline in the past or if she was just testing out her director or directorial debut. Um, So it's just interesting that this episode specifically was by someone that worked on Degrassi for years. So don't know if they brought her in because it was a very sensitive subject at the time, if it was someone that would really understand what it is, but neither here nor there. They wrote about it on the Degrassi fandom wiki. So I'm a little bit intrigued by that. And I didn't have a chance to dig deeper into it, but um, it's quite the episode, so I'll just give us time back to get into this episode. <laughs> All right. So you ready to start get recapping? Let's do it. 
So we start with our A plot or opening scene and we see Hazel in her headband and Terry discussing the school-wide International Day project that Terry mulls over the idea of bringing haggis for her project's dish. Hazel does something which, as I understand, people often do to immigrants, for which I do not think Terry is, but for the purpose of this microaggression, let's just call it out. Hazel turns her nose up at the idea of haggis because... Isn't that made from stomach or liver or something even grosser? Um, I just found this interesting because I do have a Chinese friend who is probably listening to this podcast right now, so shout out to her. And she has complained regularly about white people who used to talk shit about her ethnic food in elementary or middle school, but then they turn around and right now they're acting like they're all cultured for eating it on Instagram for clout. And that's basically what Hazel did. And I just want to, you know, while black people are not um absolved from the race from the guilt in doing this i just find it fascinating how one story the one storyline that they give to hazel is to demonstrate racism <laughs> like right. y'all give this girl nothing and if anything what you give her is the one where she got to be the racist one and it's just really annoying to me i think she deserved better um especially when you think just about racism itself y- yes again she could very well have said something like this. The black people probably do this all the time. Not a big deal. But the one thing y'all going to give her, are she sitting in her damn headband? Mm, headband Hazel. She's, a, she's in her headband because no one had the capacity to properly style her hair. And she has to be the character to demonstrate the racism and Islamophobia. It just doesn't sit right with me. But as I said last week, I'm going to do really my best to review this episode without ranting the entire time. I'm just calling it like I see it. This is interesting, too, though. It's uh, funny that you bring that up because one of the other facts that I read about today's episode is that this was, like, one of the first episodes based around her, but she wasn't even a part of the, like, they didn't consider her a part of the cast at this point. Like, not until hmm. season three did they start making hmm. her a part of the cast. So it's interesting that this was her first storyline. And then as time progresses, they're like, oh, yeah, she could be one of the main cast members. And if you want to look at it that way when we're speaking on that, we can talk about – we had our Mora Girl episode. So you have Muhammad, the mm. I presume the Middle Eastern student who's not a cast member, has to be the right. one to demonstrate fat phobia. You got all of these white character regulars on this show and you save all of the super hot topic problematic um, storylines for the students of color who aren't even apparently characters. <laughs> Right. And I can assume that you would be like, you might have the idea to never bring these characters back. You're just like, oh, we could have them deal with it and then we could just get rid of them. Because how many right. more times do we see Muhammad? I, I want to say never. I'm not right. sure. We do have a Mo later, but it's not the same Muhammad. Yeah. See, that's interesting. That's a good point. Anyway, so Paige approaches a group to give Terry a fashion crime ticket for wearing last year's jeans. Hazel pokes fun at Paige for starting the year with the mullet, and I love this continuity, as you know that I do. Then Hazel uses this as an opportunity to bring attention to Fariza, an Iraqi Muslim student who attends Degrassi for the purpose of this episode alone. But you guys want a real fashion crime? The camera pans to Fariza and her friends. Two out of three of them are wearing head coverings. I believe we refer to it as a hijab in this episode. I researched it. Um, So unlike Ashley... I don't consider myself to be an expert on the subject, but, you know, since, you know, we're sitting here talking about it, might as well. To my understanding and experience, a hijab is a broad term, which refers to head coverings in general, but there are different types for attire. Farisa's head covering appears to cover her head, neck, and shoulders in this clip, so it may specifically be considered, uh, I want to say, kimar, but I could have said that wrong. 
Um, from my informal research and experience suggests that a hijab can be more broadly applied. And that is how I will refer to it throughout this episode. I think that Hazel also refers to it as a hijab later in the episode as well. So that's what Hazel says. That's what I'm going to say. So if you're like, actually, she's wearing a, you very well may be right. I informally researched it. I wanted to make sure. I'm just following what Hazel says later in the episode. And based off my research, if I am wrong, feel free to send us a message and provide that information. I did do my research to the best that I could, though. Anyway, Terry asks if the others think the girls are bald under their hijabs. Oh, no. Do you think maybe you're just a bit ignorant? For once, Ashley earns her keep in these Degrassi halls. Her mm-hmm. quip does not check any of the girls as Hazel then approaches Farisa anyway to give her a fashion ticket under the crime of being terrorist chic. Well, okay. Hayes, when I'm offended, you know you've really gone too far. Hazel brushes off yet another racism check by way of her peers, as the defensively racists love to do, and they continue without further conversation. So it's like she's had two people tell her about herself. This is ignorant. I was offended. And she's like, yeah, that's cool. Anyway, let me just continue to offend this person. That's literally two of three, because when I was watching it too, I realized watching it for like the second time that when she was saying these things she she says something where she's like right where she's like waiting for validation to for what she just said about Frieza's outfit and she doesn't Mm -hmm. necessarily get it Terry's the only one that feeds into it but when you have two other people kind of standing there and they're like oh I don't know about this and you still decide to move forward with like stepping in Frieza's way and like giving her this ticket like you could have just, you shouldn't say it at all. But if it was to that, you should have just said it to Paige and Terry because you guys were Thank you. fine with being problematic in your circle. But the fact that you like tried to humiliate this girl in front of everyone after you really didn't get validation to do so is, it was just like, girl, read the room. Like, gauge what's going on. <laughs> exactly. And my thing that I always say when you like look at the comments on, on Instagram, for example, you could have just sent this um, post privately to your friends. Mm-hmm. and see whatever foul ass thing you have coming out of your mouth you could say it privately and you and your friends could be fouled together in private no issue i mean there is an issue but it would have been better right it's a little less problematic when you're sharing when you're not sharing those with the world but it's like you were trying to obviously hurt this girl's feelings for no reason yes so we find the grade eights because we're we of course have a plot b today and we find our grade eights in a sewing class a dying art this is presumably the first and the last time new teacher alert mr morton oh my god i didn't even realize that we don't see him right i have no idea if we ever see him again but i think this is the first time for sure liberty's sewing project is not good whereas jt's is phenomenal he quickly realizes he needs to hide his skills as sean proclaims sewing is for girls and he calls him quote unquote gay t when they originally think that he can sew JT immediately claims Liberty's trash pillow is his own and he insists that she's got to claim his because it's really good. And so he doesn't want to be known as someone who can actually sew. And she goes along with it and accepts the high grade and praise from the teacher. Mr. Simpson, back to plot A, reminds the grade nines that the following day is International Day and that he's looking forward to everyone's displays. What if you don't have a culture? This reminds me of in grad school where one of the white students said that her culture was, quote unquote, normal. This woman is now somebody's counselor at a majority white school, failing truly everyone who crosses her door. 
What? See, that was my thing with the spinner saying this. It's just like, you're saying that because you're white, but okay, spinner. It, it, was, it was peak whiteness. But again, that's not even like, the, that's not even the main focus of this episode, which is so right. irritating. We got to focus on Hazel being an idiot. But it, <laughs> Last night, I asked my mom what my culture was. She pointed to the globe, said it was from Earth. You see, and this is a problem among white people. They are perpetually taught that their existence is, is the normal experience. Anyway, Paige asks Hazel why she's so against International Day. And she goes about her full Ukrainian Heritage Day outfit. And she then suggests that all Hazel needs to do is wear cut-off shorts to bring some roti or jerk chicken. Because it turns out that Paige is under the assumption that Hazel's Jamaican. And I really want to know why. See, that's what I was trying to figure out. I was like, does she just assume this? Or have they had a conversation and Hazel's caught in a lie at this point? It's funny because... Andrea Lewis is Jamaican in real life. I believe I Googled that. <laughs> I do remember you telling me that. I was like, oh, like, anyway, insert. Right. Jamaican. Mine. Mm-mm. But back to our plot B, Liberty approaches JT to beg him to help her with his her sewing project because it seems that their next project is based off the results of their previous project, which I really like that grading strategy because... I don't think that people should be compared to the same thing. I think they should be compared to their previous performance. Neither here nor there. So now Liberty has to sew a skirt because the pillow was done so well. Um, JT is initially reluctant to help Liberty and she threatens to blackmail him by revealing who really completed the pillow. It is International Day and the students are dressed in their culture's attire and Mr. Simpson is very boldly trying Spinner's HodgePodge pizza. <laughs> he is ultimately disgusted and so was I. Mr. Radich enjoys a per- pierogi from Paige and Mr. Simpson has moved on to jerk cheek chicken with Hazel. He basically calls her out for bringing it from the Crescent Moon Caribbean place because he's like, mm, this tastes just like this, which I don't know how much you have to eat there to recognize it. Right. Or and maybe there's not a lot of them places, like Jamaican restaurants places. Maybe. And Hazel lies that they all learn at the same place. <laughs> Yaman. Yeah, okay. One time, like in 2017, I went to my husband's uh, whatever party. I don't know, a work party. And we we're supposed to all bring something. And so I went to Jewel and I brought some Jewel cookies in a Tupperware. So it'd be like, oh, I baked these. Girl, why did one of them women say, mm, this is definitely from Jewel, isn't it, bitch? You oh, saw I brought no. it in Tupperware. Oh, no. Now she fucking broke the fourth wall or whatever. <laughs> the disrespect. So the students are sent to lunch and they're all in a treat for after lunch. During lunch, Fariza calls Hazel out for her last name being Somali. Really? Well, why don't you mind your own business, Fariza, before Jamaica declares war in Iraq? Hazel gonna regret that comment. That is so crazy. That was wild to me. I started a running list of all the problematic things that Hazel said during this episode. I lost track, but that was definitely up there. (laughs) Right. So... JT is now sewing Liberty's skirt under her watchful eye. JT shares that his mom is a seamstress, which is where he's learned how to sew. Interesting, considering the seamstress mother disappears in season four or five, but, you know, whatever. (laughs) They return from lunch to see that Fariza's display has been vandalized. Things aren't looking good for Hazel, who just declared war in Iraq. Mm -mm. They call the police, which is an interesting response that I can't imagine any school in the United States would ever take. This places International Day on hold while the classrooms discuss their thoughts on the event. 
I appreciate that they identify it as what it is, which is a hate crime, instead mm-hmm. of tiptoeing around the facts, because we are big on being like, well, you see, if you didn't, I don't think we, if you consider all angles, I actually just watched a TikTok today, and the school's talking about teaching anti-racism, and the person on like the school board or something was like, well, we just want to teach all sides. So you want to teach racism and anti-racism? Like, Mm -mm. what are we saying, ma'am? And people, like, in the audience start laughing, like, ma'am, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. (laughs) Anyway. But none of us did it. Are you sure? Yeah. None of us are like that. So, Tara, you didn't make fun of Frieza's clothing the other day? This moment is key because so often passively racist people, as I call them, Think they are not penny anyway. Think they are probably built from larger crimes because they don't commit the larger crimes. Like just because mm-hmm. you don't call someone the N word doesn't mean that you haven't walked to the side of the street or touched a black person's hair and said, "Oh my God, it's so soft." Like done smaller microaggressions, which can build up to create a culture of hate and discomfort. So Degrassi writers had a ball of having all the students of color being the ones to say something stupid. My parents, they're white. I'm Chinese. We're still a great family. I'm living proof that race doesn't matter. Interesting. Okay, I don't want to be all racist, but... Look. (laughs) Girl. That quote from Kendra, they didn't need to do her like that. They didn't. So, I didn't need to finish that I don't want to be a racist, but sound clip for you to know that he absolutely said something racist. (laughs) So we we get a little montage of racist remarks which end with Radich calling Hazel to his office. He calls her out for the things she said to Fariza over the last week, even though she was with Paige and Jimmy during lunch. His phone then rings while Hazel is defending herself, and it would seem that they've caught the culprit. My money is on Jason Hogart. What happened to Fariza's display was a large example of racism. But smaller things like words, that's where this stuff starts. Mr. Radich apologizes on behalf of the school, but he doesn't really acknowledge his responsibility Um, In my opinion, as an administrator, his responsibility is to ensure that he is hiring culturally competent teachers who are not just skating past problematic statements, but they're calling it out in their classroom and not just culturally competent, because I think it's, um, I don't know which word I'm looking for, but you should be competent in a multitude of areas so that your classrooms are inclusive. Um, So that is Mr. Radich's responsibility in this also making sure that we're including curriculum as an educator this hurts my soul because i work with a lot of dumb teachers anyway (laughs) the scandal with fariza's display inspires some discourse among the grade eights jt believes that fariza shouldn't have done her project on iraq due to popularity and toby points out that she shouldn't have to hide her identity liberty realizes that jt has been hiding his identity Hmm. Once they've reached the sewing class and Mr. Morton is astonished by Liberty's skirt, Liberty confesses that JT did the skirt. At first, Toby and Sean laugh, but JT makes it the best of it. As all the girls now want him to make them skirt, which allows him to get nice and close to take measurements. So Mm -hmm. I, I guess the conclusion is be yourself and you get to get close to women. And I don't know. That was kind of a shitty ending of that, but whatever. Yeah, it's literally like, uh, don't, if men don't like it, don't worry about it, because women probably do. That was pretty much the message. <laughs> and, and, yeah, and they'll be jealous. Like, it was just, anyway. 
Back to our episode close for our plot A, Hazel has a change of heart and she decides to reveal her true identity after she cries to an unreceptive, rightfully so, Fariza. Mm-hmm. Apparently Hazel was bullied at her last school, but Fariza does not care because it only turned Hazel into a bully herself. Also, Hazel's acting is worse than in Time Stand Still. I know I've referenced that episode twice today, but her crying was horrendous. Never got better. (laughs) (laughs) She does her project a second time the next day and admits that her family is from Somalia and they are Muslims who attend the mosque and wear hijabs when when they do so. The class suddenly accepts her for who she is and they close the episode. Nobody learned for themselves in this episode, but okay. Look, truthfully... Because having Hazel come back and apologize to the class for lying mm, doesn't, like, negate the fact that she was terribly racist and, like, a bully. Like, I just don't know that, like you were saying to your point, I don't think enough was done when that situation happened, you know? Yeah, I agree. It's hard because I guess, theoretically, Degrassi covers a lot of topics and they don't necessarily, in Next Generation, in... um. In next class, they're super preachy, but in next generation, they cover topics that you would, and they don't at, preach to you and educate you. It's not necessarily an educational mm-hmm. show. It's just a show, I believe, to generate discourse and conversation. And if you're watching it with like a parent, they could have that conversation with you about what you're watching and why that's wrong. Or maybe you'd like go to an online forum and people will be talking about it. So I, it's hard to remember that. I guess, yes, they do cover a lot of sensitive topics, but they're they're not going to preach and teach you about it. It's just to be, I mean, and, and it's good because it's interesting. It's a soap opera. And maybe I wouldn't have seen people having these conversations if I grew up in a rural place where everybody looks like myself and people mostly say things that reflect what I think or feel, whatever. And so I don't get to see opposing sides or anything. So mm-hmm. I- I didn't like seeing it that way. I still don't like that they gave Hazel that plot. I don't. But I can see possibly what the intent was if it's paired with conversation. I think, yeah, it's also important to point out that this plot or like storyline is post 9-11. Like it aired in 2002. So this was a lot of people's reality, right? Like just saying very stupid things based on an idea that you got from a racist parent or someone that's just not knowledgeable and shouldn't be saying certain things. So you can assume that in a post 9-11 world, there was a lot of television shows that were trying to touch on this subject because it was reality. Like I can vividly remember an episode of The Proud Family that covered something very similar um, where a new girl at school, her, I think her locker was vandalized with the word terrorist because she also wore a hijab. So I feel like post 9-11, this was a discussion that a lot of people were having. And I feel like Degrassi was trying to, like the Proud family, have that conversation with people at a, like of a younger age. So probably trying to be less preachy, but trying to bring it to the forefront. Yeah, I guess. I'll give it to them, whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess. And also there for my moral, which is whatever. You know, people shouldn't be ashamed to be their authentic selves. But mm-hmm. again, like I said, a better moral would have been that the onus is on everyone to include everyone and make sure that people feel welcome. And I think that's included. I would extend this to if we are adults listening to this, being in the workplace and making sure that you are in. Uh, well, not you, because I just saw that you said that people you don't want to be invited to lunch. 
Mm-mm, girl, don't but talk to me. <laughs> I think that if you are going to say, hey, we're going out to lunch, I think that everyone should at least get invited. Absolutely. And that if you're going to out to lunch and you're asking people if they want orders, you should ask everyone, does anyone want anything? I feel like this happens so often in the workplace and nobody notices that person who kind of gets left out. So just, it is your responsibility to make sure that other people feel included. Mm-hmm. And that goes across a lot of different settings. Yeah, literally in whatever space you occupy, for sure. And it's funny you bring that up specifically because someone came to my desk about getting ready to leave work today. Like, you didn't have lunch with us. I said, nobody told me. I wouldn't have wanted to go, but nobody told me. So why are you talking to me about it now? (laughs) It doesn't matter. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) I see you. All right. Any other comments that we didn't cover throughout this episode? Let's see. see. Hmm. I know I had pretty much the same moral mm-hmm. yeah, the same thing. About, mm-hmm. yeah we're both on the same page on the same page i'm trying to see if there's anything else i missed at first for jt specifically i was wondering why he cared what toby thought because we've gone over this plenty of times where i mean toby and jt are friends but jt doesn't think toby is cool by any means so the fact that he like i guess it's your peer and you care about what your peers think but the fact that he was so offended by toby being like oh i'm so mad we have to take this class to the point where he thought he had to also be mad about taking that class when in reality it's the one thing that jt is good at and i would take the good grade because we all know that he doesn't seem to be great in any other subject um but i was trying to figure out why he cared so much but i guess toby's his peer but he really started to care once sean said something and we all know how the boys of degrassi they feel are about they be fangirling for sean cameron they need his opinion and they need to follow it everyone cares what he thinks i don't get why because he doesn't even care about people like that but that was just funny to me because i was like oh yeah once sean said something i get it but when toby says something i would have been like toby fuck off <laughs> like i was I always find it interesting for how the homophobia comes and goes for certain characters because you think about some of the things that Sean has said to another character, which comes out as gay later. I'm pretty sure we've discussed it, but I always want to tiptoe around spoilers. Mm-hmm. And then how he ends up dating that character's best friend and all of a sudden he's okay with it, but he doesn't really say it. I don't know. I just, you know, but then he's, I don't know. I guess I, I feel like it's probably realistic mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I think saying things that are homophobic because a lot of things that were normalized such as saying like the term gay and calling things gay Mm -hmm. it was normalized until somebody can come and say hey that's not right it's not right to call things that you think are stupid gay and you're like oh huh you're right and i didn't necessarily mean it to say that being gay is bad Mm -hmm. but now that you're pointing it out i realize why that's not okay um, so I guess Sean's journey through saying homophobic things, but then not necessarily being actively homophobic later makes sense. Yeah, he really jumped out the window with that gay T1. I was like, well, I know we were racist this episode, <laughs> but my God, <laughs> I did not expect that. <laughs> that is crazy. Ooh. Not Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> oh, and they dragging her too. Mm-hmm. They dragging mm-hmm. Jamie. I saw her. Mm-hmm. That's when and that they were like popped up the most. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but <laughs> you see, you talking about JT riding a scooter. Oh yeah, very two thousand. Everything about JT's uh, plot was like very two thousands, right? Because we have the denim skirt with the plaid like accent. And then he rides a scooter to school, which is so. I know actually knew people that rode scooters around campus when I was in college whatever our campus wasn't even that big but have fun but I guess scooters did make a whole comeback because they're literally in every downtown area 
I had one. I, I had a little, too. I forget what type of scooter it was called, but I definitely had one. Yeah. I see you talking about post 9-11 world. This is a lot of people's reality. I actually read an article about this and I forget where the woman was from. I know she was definitely Middle Eastern. And she talked about how, and this doesn't necessarily have to be everyone's experience, but she said before 9-11, people just thought that I was white with a cute accent. But then after mm-hmm. 9-11, I suddenly became other. And again, I'm not saying that this experience is reflective of everyone's experience, but I did read an article where she said that, how that reality changed for her. And I absolutely remember as an egocentric 13-year-old, um, people really just being like, oh my God. Um, is somebody going to bomb our school? And right. it's like, ain't nobody worried about this middle school in the suburbs. Nobody. Right. Nobody's worried about this school, Karen. <laughs> um, but yeah. I mean, we talk about like no fly list. And even just, mm-hmm. I think Jimmy highlights about the one guy, his neighbor who had his account frozen a bunch of times. And then we have the no fly list. And I'm pretty sure I have a friend who is, who's super into just knowing things. And she's talked about how TSA is basically a scam and it's really just done to look like people are doing something in response to that, mm. but not actually mean anything, which always pisses me off when they take my damn liquids. Look, that's what I was just about to say too. <laughs> well, I will not put out what airport I fly frequently, but the airport I fly out of frequently, um, there's been several times where I've gotten through with half opened water bottles. And with that being said, so, and I'm not saying this about me, you are different, but I remember, so like, I'm super rigid about it because I've had my liquids taken so many times. Mm-hmm. And I had a coworker be like, oh, I bring liquid through it, through it all the time. What? They never check it. They never touch my things. And yes, my coworker was. And That's just completely crazy. unaware of the fact that nobody ever takes her liquids. So we look at like 9-11 and people's prejudice and how this has impacted other people. And I mean, if you just look at airports, just like Jimmy said, this person's account has been frozen a bunch of times. When we're going through TSA, when security's looking at us, they are taking stuff from certain people. And I guarantee there's a white person listening to this, maybe, who's <laughs> going to be like, no, they've taken my liquids before. Right, um, Karen, Antonia, <laughs> Cynthia, Becky, Ann, whatever your name is, they're not taking your stuff the way they're going through our stuff. I like mm-hmm. They're not sending you to the extra pat-downs. They're not rubbing your head to check for <gasps> knives or whatever when you've got braids on. Mm, it's you have it's a very different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like the experience that people of color, especially, I wouldn't say Middle Eastern, but I would probably put a focus on people who are wearing some type of head covering who doesn't necessarily have to, could be from anywhere. Um, They're getting the extra searches. That is crazy. That's such a good point. Because for me, for a second, I just want to be like, these people don't aren't doing shit. Like you're literally just do like doing whatever when you're standing there acting like you're doing something and you're letting people get by. I don't feel safe because why am I able to get through with liquids? You know what I mean? Not that I'm doing anything. Do not try to come for me. Do not try to arrest me. But I'm saying is just like for you to have lack of care with certain people and then hyper focus on others is insane to me. Because I don't feel safe just because you're letting me through with liquids. I feel like you're doing that for everybody. Right. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's like if you're telling me that these liquids are so dangerous, but then you're letting me through with these liquids, what is it? And who else are you letting through with these liquids? Right. right. What is the criteria? How is it getting by? You've got all of this security here. And Mm -hmm. is this or isn't it dangerous? And it's clearly not because we're all hopping on the plane. Yeah, literally. That's such a good point. I know because the post 9-11 response for a lot of things was to act. But it's so true that I can imagine over the years that shit has just fell by the wayside. Because it's not in front of your face anymore. That's crazy. 
Yeah. Um, I guess I will. Oh, I see you asked. Did the teachers handle the situation correctly? I feel like you covered it a little bit, but I yeah. felt a way about it. Yeah, I don't think that they they didn't they very may well have. It's good that they had the floor for the conversation. Mm-hmm. I saw Mr. Armstrong look at Kendra like mm, mm-hmm. interesting, mm-hmm. which yep. may have stemmed a further discussion or conversation. But I think that they intentionally held it out because the purpose isn't just to be preachy and it's mm-hmm. to generate that dialogue and discourse. So I think maybe they have the same kind of perspective that we have in just talking about the episode and that I can't call out everything and mm-hmm. preach about it or else we're never going to finish this episode. So Especially, yeah, they were 22 minute episodes. I think what made me question it was just the fact that like, I guess you can't force people to talk. I don't know what it's like to work in a school if I'm being very honest. So I don't know how people handle these situations, but the fact that like Hazel tried to go up to Frieza later and have this conversation. I think they should have had a media, like a mediated conversation of some sort. Right. I agree. You know, like Hazel at some point says that, Oh, she says it to Radu. She's like, she's not my favorite person, but what has she ever done to you? Absolutely nothing. You know, we've never seen these people interact before. And I would say that there should have been a mediated conversation. Not sure if that was kind of the response at that point in time. Also, Canada is different from the United States. But such as conversations and restorative justice practices are, I would say, relatively new. A lot of things Mm -hmm. for a very long time have been more so, possibly at that time period, more so punitive. Detentions, expulsions, Mm -hmm. suspensions. And we have since kind of revamped our view of working with children and students to want to include more restorative justice conversations. And even just them both going in to talk to Mr. Radish and have that conversation was more instead of just being like, you know what, Hazel, you said this, you're suspended. So even Mm -hmm. like it was not a lot, but it was more so than usual. And I think that's the direction that education had moved into, but may not have been at that point at that point in time. One mm-hmm. thing I will say is your ask is like, if you can't force people to talk, I work because, you know, I work with kids and sometimes mm-hmm. we cover, we skate across sensitive topics and it's hard because a lot of my kids are non-black Hispanics. Um, and so sometimes they'll hesitate with saying things because they, they feel like for whatever reason it's wrong, especially the time, a lot of time calling people black, they're like, oh, don't want to call someone black. I'm like, mm-hmm. no, 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 it's whatever. Um, so I think it just depends on the relationship you have with them and how you respond when they do say things that are problematic. It makes you making sure that it's not punitive, but calling it out. And I'll usually tell them, you can say what you're going to say. You are not going to get in trouble. Mm-hmm. So sometimes if I'm meeting with them one-on-one, I'll, I said, tell me what they said, because I need to have the information and we have to talk about it. Um, and I can kind of get a response out of that and they'll say it and they might whisper it. And I say, well, let's talk about that. Let's look at this. Why does that person remind you of that other black person who looks nothing like them? Mm-hmm. Um, so you can't, but I think it just depends on how you respond and the relationship with you have with the students. I don't usually have an issue getting them to say it, even though I am black and they're t- terrified that they're going to say it to me. Oh. And I think that they're racist just because I don't yell at them and punish them when they do say it, because I recognize that if you, you don't say it and I don't teach you why it's wrong, you're never going to have this conversation because mm-hmm. I know your raggedy ass teacher ain't going to tell you. I'm sorry. Some of the teachers in my school are really good and very culturally competent, but some of them just be letting oh. that shit fly. Yeah, I can imagine. That's a good point. Yeah, definitely with the times. And again, post 
it was very new because this was 2002. So I can imagine things have probably changed since then with like how they handle things. And this was probably a really touchy subject for educators at that time, right? Because it's something that's heightened and it's like you're probably going to have these issues to deal with more often. So like, how do you yeah. deal with it? No one's giving you a book on it. Absolutely. I think that I imagine that comparison and of course, school shootings have always unfortunately happened, mm-hmm. but now so as they happen so freaking off, often and I think about Texas and when that happened and obviously, I actually think it's a little bit different now because now we are all exposed to so much information and the kids are exposed to it. Mm-hmm. People are having a lot of serious conversations around them and kind of not realizing that they're hearing it and that they're exposed to it or that they even log on to whatever platform they're using and <laughs> the ads are there, the targeted mm-hmm. ads or whatever. So I think kids have a lot more access to the information around them and they're a lot less shielded from it than, than I may have had the privilege of being shielded from when I were the same age as them. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of pressure on educators to have the ability to have tough conversations with students with not a lot of the support in doing so. Mm-hmm. Because I had a teacher who tried to you know, have the conversation with her students because, yeah, they do see it. But because she didn't necessarily have the, the support, she didn't close it right in her whole class. I was like super anxious. Aww. And I did have to target it. It was really sad. But I'm one counselor to 800 kids. So we obviously need more counselors. Mm-hmm. That is shameless one of plug. Takeaways, right. Oh, especially with the world we're living in. My God. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, I guess I can, we can close it. Next on Degrassi. Emma and her mom's old friends prepare for Snake and Spike's wedding, but nothing seems to be going right at all. After finding out that Snake doesn't want to have children right away, she is later surprised to find out that she is pregnant. Actually, she found out she was pregnant, and then she found out that Snake didn't want to have kids. Neither here nor there. And contemplates getting an abortion in order to salvage their relationship. Meanwhile, Emma is having the worst hair day ever and grows more upset when Manny invites Sean to the wedding when she had specifically said he wasn't someone to invite. Also, JT and Toby want to see the stripper at Mr. Simpson's bachelor party, which gets them both in a heap of trouble. (laughs) That wraps this week's episode of Below the Dot podcast. If you enjoyed your listen, please tell a friend to tell a friend. To hold you over between episodes, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok under some derivative of the username below the dot. Feel free to reach out with any questions, comments, or concerns on either of our social media accounts or email us at whateverittakes385 at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back on your airways this time next week.